Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Those deep questions that we see movies like The Lion King and like just childhood movies, you know, uh, try to answer for kids. Um, and I, I always, you know, th- those kind of movies were inspiring me maybe to those, for those reasons. But as a kid, I started latching on to those questions. Uh, and the interview process for me was a process of discovering that and discovering people's personal, their drive and, and helping was a way of helping me understand my own. Have you ever been at a point, just curious, I was giving a talk yesterday. Uh, we, had a, we had a business meeting with some of our sales team and we, we were all talking about a new service that we're talking about implementing and I'd given a, a brief talk on some experiences of mine and some different things and one of the things I talked about was a story of mine that I had. For you, have you ever been at a point where this is where our sales team was. That's why I'm curious for you even. Have you ever been at a point where you didn't know what the point of what you were doing was anymore? Where I was doing these interviews and I'd gotten to a point where I was doing really awesome at them, but I just kind of forgot the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, you, have you ever come across that for yourself or with any of the people you've talked with where they kind of lack the, the meaning or the purpose behind it any longer. Uh, I, th- I think I know what you're getting at. I think you're talking about when you uh, start to disconnect from your passion a little bit. I yes. think that there's always a, I'm going to call it a high. There's always like a, like a buzz feeling whenever you get started with a new project, but then you start getting into the minutia part of it, the, the day to day in, in and out and you get distracted because it's not as fun as it used to be. And I think that that's one of the reasons that a lot of people don't follow through with some of the goals that they have. Because, for example, if I was going to run a marathon, and if that was a goal of mine, uh, I have not come to terms yet that that is a goal of mine yet because I know what it will take to run a marathon. But if I was, if my goal was to run a marathon, running a mile uh, to three miles, I could get pretty excited about that. Um, when I have to start running six miles and 10 miles and then 20 miles on the weekend, I could see where I would get really bored and really um, just dis- disenfranchised with the thought of doing that. And so I think that's what you're talking about is, is where that passion kind of goes away a little bit. And I, I heard a quote, it's uh, or a long obedience uh, in the same direction. And basically what it, the point of it is saying that those little small decisions of obedience are constantly adjusting you back to what you truly have identified as your goal. And as you're working towards that goal, you're constantly reminding yourself of what you're trying to accomplish. And so I think it's 100% normal for somebody to have those feelings of being slightly disenfranchised or to get a little frustrated or to get kind of uh, worn out by the, the task that you're trying to accomplish. I think that's normal. I think that's where a leader comes into play is because a leader is the person that's supposed to kind of constantly put that goal back in front of their team and re-motivate them along the way. And so I think that you can do that as an individual. Uh, if you're training for a marathon, it's just, it's just finding those uh, ways to reward yourself. I think it's really important to celebrate small victories just as much as it is, it is to celebrate large victories. Because if you only celebrate the large victories, you're going to get to those situations where you are dis- disenfranchised. But I think as a leader, your goal is day in, day out to make sure that you're helping your team stay motivated for what they need to accomplish. If they do that, they're less likely to have 
as many opportunities to get disenfranchised by the monumental tasks that they have in front of them. Does that make sense? Well, Holden, I'm going to go ahead and start the podcast. I already actually started recording. Um, I've done this a, a couple times before when we just start kind of getting into topics. And I'm uh-huh. like, man, I, I just want to share this with the audience. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit of an intro and, and tie into this. And I'll probably leave all this in here because I think some of the questions that you're asking are great. And what I love about this is, is we have an interviewer interviewing an interviewer. So I have a feeling that <laughs> this is going to go back and forth this, a little bit. I am so used to asking questions. At what point would you prefer me uh, to like just you lead the conversation and me dial down my own questions? Would you like to lead most of the conversation? No, that man. Way? Let's just let's just rock and roll with it. I I want to I want to flow with what you're comfortable with, and uh, and, and we'll go from there. I, I do want to lead into the book a little bit, and then uh-huh. we I, I think we can kind of bounce back and forth on topics. So I, mm-hmm. and if you have questions, you know, feel free to ask them because I'm getting to the point where I'm talking a lot more in the interviews anyway. That's awesome. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 59. And boy, is this an exciting one. Uh, If you haven't already noticed, uh, I am talking with Holden Hill. And uh, we actually already unofficially started the podcast just in the pre-show just because Holden, and we'll get into it a little bit, uh, has done some really exciting things. And he's used to interviewing people too. And so what's happening is we're, we're interviewing each other back and forth. And so it's, it's getting really fun uh, because you're going to get to hear me talk a little bit in this interview. You're going to get to hear Holden hopefully talk a little bit in this interview, but ultimately with the goal of helping you, the audience really connect with just some of the really cool uh, clues that success leaves behind. A little bit about Holden. Holden is a 19-year-old from Oklahoma with a raving love for Jesus and a wild thirst for adventure. As a kid, he thought those two things were separate. But as he continued to chase after adventure in all of its different colors of reality, he constantly found himself returning to one undeniable truth, a truth that finally caught like a fire in his heart. Adventure and love of Christ were the same thing. At 16 years old, he found himself desperate to know the answer uh, to a childhood question that has stuck with him all his life, and he decided to embark on the greatest adventure of his life to date, a mission to meet and interview 500 different Christian-following leaders across the United States and the world at large, and then write a book to capture the story of his project and what he learned through it. Holden, thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. Um, I'm already having a fantastic time just just talking to you a little bit, uh, enjoying ourselves. Uh, I know I gave a really brief introduction of, about who you are that I've, that I've put together, but say hello to the audience officially uh, and uh, tell them a little bit about yourself. Hello, everybody. Evan, it's awesome to be talking to you as well. Uh, at 16, so we'll, we'll try and make this short, the short side of this. 16 years old, I had just finished playing basketball and naturally having turned 16, I was finally having the opportunity to, to drive as soon as I got a vehicle. And I didn't have the money at the time. And so I started talking with my dad. Uh, he's an entrepreneur. And I talked to him about the possibility of coming on board uh, our sales team at, at our company. Uh, and using it as an opportunity for one, to make some money and earn myself a vehicle. Uh, secondly, as an opportunity to, to grow and develop myself, since I wasn't going to be basketball anymore, I, I wanted to devote my time towards something that would really matter in the long run. But thirdly, maybe the most critical reason or important reason to me for why I started uh, or I was interested in changing my life at that point was I had some questions I'd asked ever since I was a boy. And one of them was I'd drawn from the movie Braveheart. Stars William Wallace, uh, excuse me, stars Mel, it stars Mel Gibson as William Wallace. Uh, and there's a line in the movie, for, anyone, for any of you that's seen it, you know this. Well, William Wallace says, every man dies, not every man really lives. And so from that question, I drew, from that statement, I drew the question, what does it mean to really live? So that was one of my questions at that point in my life. What does it mean to make something in my life, to, to do something that matters, to really live? And that's when dad had suggested an idea to me, as opposed to coming on board the sales team, what if I went on a project, and this was as specific as it was at the time, simply to go meet with and interview and learn from some of the most successful and significant leaders in Oklahoma I could get in touch with. And I took that idea 
and I turned it into a mission to go meet and interview 500 different inspiring and impactful leaders uh, across Oklahoma, across the country and the world to some extent in the pursuit of answering that question. What does it mean to truly live? And at this point, I've, I've finished those 500, 500 interviews. I've written a book, uh, which we'll be publishing soon, that captures the story and the core of what I learned through it. That's one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on because I know you've, you've talked to a, a lot of different successful people and that tunes in a little bit to the podcast here. We're, we're, we're trying to find those clues that success leaves behind. I'm going to try not to get too offended that I didn't get a phone call to be one of your interviews. Uh, so I, I'm just going to chalk it up to that. You didn't know who I was, um, but uh, hopefully I make the next 500. Uh, just no, there, throw will that the next 500. <laughs> there will be the next 500. Well, I want to first of all compliment you because at 16, I was definitely not thinking about inter- like the meaning of life and what William Wallace had to say. I was thinking more <laughs> along the lines of, man, I really like that Braveheart movie. Uh, that I just got so inspired by it. I just want to go you know, take the mountain. Uh, they can take our lives, but they can't take our freedom was the quote that I walked away with. Uh-huh. But that's just me. Um, <laughs> I love that one too. It's an awesome movie. But I think what you what you've clued into, and I and I applaud your dad too for kind of uh, giving you this challenge because I would venture to say, based on my conversation with you so far, that the task that he put in front of you was by no means a small task. No. Um, but at the same time, I think he knew that if you were to actually take on that task, how much value it would bring to you, and I think that you're probably light years ahead of where I was at a 16 year old uh, right, or a 19 year old. Now you light years ahead of where I was just because of your goal to reach out to all these different people that has actually propelled you now to have a platform to talk to, in my case, an audience that's 10 years, five, 10 years older than you. But I believe uh, because success leaves clues and these clues are universally true, Whether you're 19 or 99, I have a feeling that a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast, and I'm talking about all of the other episodes before this and all the episodes beyond this, are probably themes that you've run across in your conversations with your 500 successful people. Without a doubt. Everybody. Talk to 500, you get at every topic under the sun. Yeah. So let's dig into those a little bit. I'd, I'd love to hear kind of um, kind of a wide range of some of the things that, that kind of stood out to you in those conversations. And I know, so we, we want to sell some books at some point. So whenever, whenever this thing, uh, whenever the book is published, definitely let me know. And we'll put that in the show notes so that people can purchase it. But uh, if you can, what were some of the interviews that you had uh, that really stood out to you and some of those things that you learned? There's a number of those, and I'll, I'll get into those different conversations in a moment there's a number a lot of people first of all I'll, I'll start off with a disclaimer probably a hundred of the people are are large enough names that most audience members would recognize the name uh, another 400 of them are not people that are famous people like you Evan who are are who are, who are mattering who are, who are after something who are learning who are growing who have influence um, and people that I you know, as a teenager, I uh, find myself looking up to, but uh, that a lot of people would know in their specific circles, but maybe not universally. But starting off, one of the interesting things I found, just reflecting on my own story, and what I found throughout every person I talked with, was the question of, why are we doing this? And I started off my interview project with a, with a simple goal. As I mentioned, I was interested in making money to buy myself a vehicle. Uh, that was one of my beginning interests at 16 years old. And when dad suggested the idea of pursuing the interviews, that journey, my only hesitation to it was the fact that interviewing successful wise gurus isn't necessarily profitable. And so <laughs> I, that was my only drawback. I still wanted a truck. And yeah. so. I, I brought that to dad's attention and he was wise enough to, to know the, you know, the, book in Pro, the book of Proverbs in the Bible. It talks about how wisdom is gained through the counsel of many. Uh-huh. And 
I've always looked at Proverbs, whether you're a Christian or not, it is the book of wisdom uh, to so much extent. And I, I knew that verse, dad knew that verse, and he believed it so strongly that he thought if I went and pursued this journey, that it would make something of me far more valuable than the petty, you know, whatever the car cost. So his deal was if I did the 500 interviews, he would buy my vehicle for me. And that was my why in the beginning. Why was I starting? Because I had an opportunity to buy a vehicle. But Evan, I was talking with you just before we started this, this show, and I was, I was sharing a story of my own. I was driving home from Oklahoma City one day. I'd had a number of different conversations. Uh, matter of fact, during that day, I believe, was the day I'd met with uh, uh, Carrie Summers, who's the, the man heading up the Museum of the Bible being built in Washington, D.C. currently. And there's a, a five or six other people I met with that day. And as far as a productive day goes, this day had sure been one. In fact, the past few weeks had been insanely productive, lots of progress. Uh, it had been an awesome time as far as progress goes. But for me, driving home that day, it was probably at the end of this week, I – I found myself wondering, what is the point of all this? Is it just to get a car or is there some greater purpose to it? And at that point, that's when I was haunted, I guess, for the first time with the question of why is all this worth it? And throughout my conversations with so many different people, that's the question I started to ask at the core of everything. I'd ask about relationships. I'd ask about leadership. I asked about networking. I asked about business, entrepreneurship, uh, vision, passion, you name it, courage, all of these, these qualities that I want to be as a person. But at the core of all of it was why do we even care about this? And one of those conversations I found really interesting perhaps was Dave Ramsey. Mm -hmm. I, uh, he was – Someone I've looked up to Dave for as long as I can remember. As a boy, when dad would bring me with him, dad was an entrepreneur, he was a salesman, he'd travel all over the country. And so he drug me with him wherever he went as a boy since I was homeschooled. And we always listened to leadership gurus. And my favorite was Dave Ramsey. I love Dave Ramsey, him and John Maxwell. And so <laughs> Dave Ramsey was fun to listen to. And I, as a boy, that was about all I cared about him. But as I started to get older, I really started to look up to him. Uh, maybe somewhat as a financial uh, expert, but that wasn't about it for me as much as it was that I saw him as an entrepreneurial leader with passion and purpose. And I wanted that. Mm -hmm. And uh, my conversation with him, I'd sought after that conversation almost since uh, the beginning of my project. And when I finally, I'd emailed him, uh, his, I'd gotten in touch with his CFO, Mark Floyd, and Mark had said, uh, this project sounds interesting. You know, Mark had been introduced to me by a friend of mine. So he said, Dave might do it, buddy. Welcome to give it a shot. So I shot Mark uh, uh, an email that he forwarded on to Dave's press secretary, and she reviewed it. And. Um, you know, they eventually put it in front of Dave and said, would you be interested in this conversation with this 17-year-old kid? I was 17 at the time. He was doing this project, and he was willing to be part of it. That's awesome. They gave me 30 minutes, and I intentionally flexed my schedule um, of interviews. At the time, I was just about halfway through, so I flexed it so I could make him interview mark 250, dead middle. Yeah. And drove to Nashville. Um, my dad and my younger brother wanted to ride with me just for the adventure of it. So they came along and my conversation with him going into it, I had one core obsessive question that everything else during that interview was of interest to me, but not compared to this question. I wanted this. I needed to know the answer to this question. <laughs> what I'd always wondered about him. Why? Do you do it? And it's a question I'd really start to ask myself at that point. And leading. We look at leaders and we think, oh, that's awesome. They get to be the leader. They get to be in control. They get to be the one that calls the shots. But 
you talk to, at that point, 250 leaders like I had, and something I'd started to learn is that leaders take all the hits. Leaders take all the criticism. Leaders work harder. They push themselves farther. They risk more. That's why they're the leader. Why people look up to them and follow them because they're on the frontier taking all the hits and pushing themselves harder than anybody else. And that's what I, I realized about Dave. Why do you leave, Dave? You're wealthy enough to retire. Don't tell me you're not. By far. And so that was my question. Dave, why do you keep leading? Okay, maybe – with some ambition, I can I can see why you would have pushed yourself to arrive where you've arrived, but why do you keep doing it? And his answer was that most people might look at leading as something that's harder and uh, more dangerous, or perhaps that following is easier and safer in life. But that's an illusion. The idea that following is easier and safer is an illusion. The reason that I lead, I'm still quoting Dave, uh, and I'm paraphrasing off of him, yeah. is that I lead for, for right now, I continue to do it because of the tremendous satisfaction in my soul that comes from the quality of work that we get to do and the quality of people I get to hang out with and what I'm able to accomplish by leading. And it's enough of a reason to lead just to get And that, that paraphrased remark uh, or um, version of his quote, and walking out of it, what I came to realize based off the, the rest of our conversation and what we uncovered and examined further, my, oh, that unleashed a load of questions from me. Uh, what, what I came to realize walking out of that meeting with Dave is that leading starts with leading yourself. That to, for me to lead and for me not to be leading myself, that's not leading. I'll explain it this way. Everyone I believe is a follower. I don't think leaders lead and followers follow. Everyone's a follower. The difference between what we, what we call leaders and what we call followers is what they're following. That Leaders, I don't necessarily believe at all, are the ones that are in control, the ones that are in charge, the ones that are, have the authority, or that followers are the ones who are assisting others and maybe not, aren't in control. That's not what I see as leadership or not. It's am I leading myself? Because everyone's going to follow. You're either following everyone else or you're following something true. You're either following everyone else, you're following your vision, you're chasing after your heart, you're chasing after what you believe. You are leading yourself, you are standing for what you believe in. It's the difference between followers and leaders. What are you following? Are you being dragged by everyone else? Or are you pulling everyone else towards something? And that's what David comes to explain to me. And the reason I, I believe that we, we look at, at following is safer and easy. Okay, yeah, maybe you're in the middle of the crowd when you're following else, everyone else. You are just floating. You're kind of allowing things to happen uh, the way everyone else sees they should happen. And you're just letting things happen, okay? And, and, and it would appear safe and easy because you're in the middle of the crowd. But the problem with that is when you let yourself just be dragged by everyone else instead of leading, instead of pulling other people along, when you start trying to just fit in with everyone else and you aren't pulling other people to stand for, for something, you start to, to become more afraid and you start to, to lose your strength. And as a result, in the end, following I've found for myself, every time that I think like a follower, it's about how you think. When you start to think like a follower, to say, I want to stand up for this person, but I don't. You know, in basketball, I'd have this experience where I want to stand up for this, for this person that's not as good as everyone else. And everyone else is giving them hard times and making fun of them and all this. And I want to stand up for them, but I don't because every, that would make me an outcast. So I just fit in and I belittle them. Or I want, I want to stand up for a friend of mine behind their back, but everyone else is trash talking them. So I just, I just fit in. 
and I don't say anything. It's when you start to think like a follower. And I realize for myself, it's those times that I think like a follower that I, I feel more afraid, ironically, and weaker than if I stood up and I got rejected and hit in the face for it. It's about, I believe, how you think, and if you lead yourself, it's your character. And that's what David talked to me about. He said, the reason I lead, if I was looking for what's safe and easy, you know, he's rich enough. He could go retire on a yacht and live out the rest of his days just tanning in the sun. Yeah. And it's not what it's about for him. It's about what he's able to bring to other people through what he does. It's not all about him about what he can bring to other people and so it is two side you grow as a person you become stronger become more brave when you choose to lead yourself and it's also by leading yourself that you can start to lead others towards something better i think really when you when you break out all of the the different topics that you talked about there man there's there's a lot to unpack there i mean there's so many different kind of nuggets of information uh, and nuggets of wisdom that were sprinkled throughout everything that you were talking about. One of the, the quotes that you said that I really love was, you need to follow what is true. You really need to pay attention to what you're following. You're not following other people. If you follow other people, you're, you're in a pack. And uh, I love the analogy you made of really not, not being as confident uh, and being more afraid when you're a follower as, as opposed to being a leader. And I, I think the reason that you felt afraid or you, you felt, sorry, the reason that you felt more comfortable as a leader was because you, it was on your own terms. You were uh, putting yourself out there knowing that you were putting yourself out there and knowing the risks that were associated with that. And so uh, in doing that, when you know that somebody's going to try to hit you, you can duck at that point. But if you don't know what's going to happen, it, it kind of comes out of nowhere and you're completely rocked. But I think it's really important, especially for the listeners to really tune into finding out what's true for them. If you can find out what that true point is for Dave Ramsey, it was uh, the satisfaction and that accomplishment of helping other people for him. He, he really is a servant leader. If you think about it, he's serving other people. And by doing that, uh, he's actually becoming a, a, a bigger leader because ultimately there's more and more people that he's able to serve. When you look at that sense of accomplishment that, that he's, uh, that he's getting. I think he was designed for that. I think he was truly created to help other people. And for him, the reward obviously is financial, but really it's more of that status, that internal satisfaction of finding your purpose. Because when he helps other people, I'm sure at some point he says something to the effect of, I feel alive when I I'm able to help some somebody else. It brings me energy. It gives me strength. It empowers me to go above and beyond uh, and to try to help more people instead of draining him. The opposite would be if, if he was doing something like this and every time he talked to somebody, he was just exhausted after he did it. And he's just like, oh, he's like, I'm so glad I was able to help you, but I am utterly exhausted. I don't think that he has that feeling because he's really locked into his true purpose which is being a servant and helping other people. So thank you for sharing that story. I can't wait to listen to it again because there's just there's a there's a lot in there. And that's just one person. So <laughs> you yeah. have 499 other interviews that you had. Man, that's awesome. I I I hope that the listeners are that are tuning into this first and foremost are pinching themselves a little bit to hear uh, somebody as young as you are and I, and I don't want to hold that against you and I don't think anybody should, but I think it's worth noting that just to have that level of awareness at that age is really important. And I think that really ties into what your dad was talking about. Yeah, he was going to help get you a vehicle because that was the initial end goal to probably motivate you to do it. But ultimately, I think, and, and I hope that you realize this, the information and the knowledge that you've acquired by talking to these successful people are going to be something that sticks with you the rest of your life so that when you're in a leadership role and you're in those situations, you know that you need to lead yourself well before you can have uh, other people follow you. Leading yourself and, and understanding the importance of being a leader in your home, in your finances, when you have a family, when you have kids, it starts there. 
Uh, if people don't see that you have it together, they're not going to want to follow you. And that, that just, I mean, that's common sense. But I think a lot of times you'll talk to somebody and they're like, I want to be the president of the United States, or I want to be the president of the company, or I want to do this and that and the other thing. But you look at them and you're like, you can't even, uh, you know, pay your bills right now. If you, if you can't do that, why do you think that someone is going to put you in charge of a company? Why, why would anybody want to follow you if you did something like that? And, and, when you put it like that, it sounds like common sense, but I think you'd be shocked to realize how many people don't 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 see it that way. Now in the book, Dave Ramsey's part of a chapter or a section of the book where I'm uncovering the question of who am I and what I discovered in that game. You know, instead of following everyone else and forming yourself to who everyone else thinks you should be, what does it mean to lead yourself to become who you were made to become? Uh, and so that, he's part of that chapter. Two of the other guys, they're brothers that are part of that uh, part of the book. Are you familiar with the Benham brothers, Evan? The Benham brothers. It's not ringing a bell. They were um, part of a, a TV show, had their own TV show uh, where they would flip homes. Um, they were the real estate guys, entrepreneurs, younger guys, probably uh, maybe, maybe around your age. Um, is it the Property Brothers guys? Uh, Drew, no, those are the Drew and Adam Scott, I think. Okay, so the Benham brothers are David and Jason. And okay. so they had this, this TV show, and it, it got shut down because of uh, their, their, some of their stances they took on, on uh, their, their biblical beliefs, and their show got canceled for this reason. And as a young person, in fact, these are two of the people that Dave Ramsey – had suggested I talk with. After I talked with Dave, I said, here are some other people you might suggest I included in this. And he said, the Benham Brothers. So I, learning about them, you know, as a young person, uh, 17 at the time still, I'm looking at people like the Benham Brothers thinking, you guys are awesome. What beasts. Uh, I mean, like in a good way. I mean, you know, on the basketball court, <laughs> you'd call the guy if he, if he tears through everyone with the basketball and dribbles nuts around somebody and just breaks through a wall of people and lays it up and just, ah! that's, that's what you always wanted to be. And we called that like, you are a beast, man. And so I kind of looked at the Benham brothers that way uh, in some regards, just as, you know, in part to their own success, I suppose, but also in part uh, to the impact they were able to have by standing up for their beliefs and just the strength to do that and some of these other things. And so, I, I reached out to them and I managed to have a conversation with the Benham brothers and going into that meeting I, from a young person, I look at them and I think these are awesome people. I'm so glad or, or excited to know that some people are strong enough to do what they do. I wish I could be like that. Mm -hmm. And as a young person who, okay, I don't have these skills. I don't have the businesses. I don't have the influence, you know, you name it, that beasts have, if, if you'll collect that term. And, you know, how could I ever do something that matters? How could I ever get to where they are? How could I ever do any of that? I'm not strong enough. I'm not there. And what's, what, I, what was interesting to find is my, through my conversation with the Benham brothers, they, they, they weren't always there. And you, <laughs> Dave Ramsey wasn't always the, the, uh, the huge, what is it? The number three most syndicated radio show uh, of all time. How could I ever do that? How could I ever accomplish what they've done? How could I ever get to where they are? And what you realize is through conversations with, with people like the Benham brothers, with people like Dave Ramsey, with people like, uh, Christine Kane, like, uh, Craig Rochelle, like, you like you name it is that we all really did start off at the back of the pack if you will mm -hmm. we, we started nobody just like me and you you build yourself you you grow you you start where you are and as you start where you are and and you continue to push yourself and you test your limits Something that Cody Bobay, Cody Bobay was one of the guys I interviewed. He, he was a, um, 
a military uh, special operations military. I, he, he was some beast in the military of some different kind. Uh, currently, he runs a men's ministry, and he's a speaker, fitness guy. And one of the comments he made to me is that life never gets easier. You only get tougher. And when you, when you start to think, one of the things that the Benham brothers told me is you have to fall in love with the pain cave. That's what he called it, the pain cave. You have to fall in love with the struggle. You have to fall in love with when you're working out, the feeling that your muscles have when, when, you're, when they burn. You have to fall in love with the challenge, with the journey there. And when you really start to think like a leader, what happens is even though you start off in the back of the pack and you don't, you don't know how you could ever get to the front. To, to where the awesome people are up front. I think the way you think in the beginning, when, when, you will, when you will choose to think like a leader and you will embrace the, the challenge, that through that process, the people that end up at the front weren't always there. And mm -hmm. it's one of the, you know, as a young person, it's inspiring for me to even realize myself that I can look at, someone like David Green of Hobby Lobby, who uh, he's the founder of Hobby Lobby. Man, I look up to for his generosity. He gives so much money away. He's able to make such a difference in people's lives. I wonder how could I ever do that? David Green didn't always start off there. Mm -hmm. But when you start with what you have, uh, I'm a Christian and I believe that what God gives us, when, when he gives you a little bit, when you will start with the little bit, with just who you are in the beginning, with what you have been entrusted with in just the beginning, and you, you kill it at that point, when you, when you will absolutely make the most of what you have now, the truth of it is, it's what James Lankford, Senator, Senator yeah. James Lankford, um, he once told me, impact starts with one person. It doesn't start with thousands of fans that you're able to move to action. It doesn't start with a multi-billion dollar company. Impact starts with one person who's willing to lead, who's willing to lead themselves, who's willing to go against the current. Because in the end, I think what you find is that everyone wants to stand. Everyone wants to stand for What's right against what's wrong. Everyone wants their their backbone of conviction just burns to stand. That's what it was born to do. And yet we're all caught kneeling. When one person will stand, what what James Langford was telling me, impact starts with one person. When one person is willing to stand, what you'll find is that everyone else who was too scared to before is going to start standing alongside you. And impact starts with one person because when you lead yourself, that's when you, you will become someone worthy and able to lead others. That's the truth I found for myself. Oh, man. There was so much good stuff there. <laughs> well, um, all of the different things that you talked about in there are, are, are just fantastic nuggets of information again I, I love when you're talking about you have to start somewhere and that everybody starts somewhere they don't they don't always start from a, a, a from a position of success you have to grow i don't know if you know this i've only been so this is podcast number 59 um and you're already lopping me in this group this this podcast is still very very new so <clears throat> for me um i had to start somewhere when i started this I, I did not know how to record a podcast. I was not very good at speaking. If you listen to some of the very first episodes, uh, I say, um, a lot. I say a bunch of, just random, I, I say a bunch of random words and it was, it was really clunky and it's not, it's, it's not that it was horrible. It's just over time, just going through the day to day of, of producing this building, this learning about it. Um, that's what really helped me get better at it. And by no means am I saying that it's, it's amazing now. Like I still have a long way to go, but I had to start somewhere. And 
I probably could have started three to six months before I did, but I was trying to overthink everything that was happening. And I just wasn't really recording anything. I wasn't doing it. I was like, well, I got to, I got to learn all the ins and out of this software editing platform to make sure that I can, I can do everything the way that it's supposed to be done. So that if I had, let's say I, I have a weird noise that pops up, like how do I edit that out? Or I was thinking to myself, is, is anyone really going to want to listen to a guy who's 36 and, uh, and, and is, is wanting to talk to, to young, young business people? It, like I'm not, I did the same thing that you, you, you kind of said earlier. Um, who, who wants to listen to me? I'm, I'm just some guy. I'm just another guy. Um, but what I realized was over time was I may not have a lot to say to a guy like Dave Ramsey or uh, Senator Lankford. Um, I think that there's some things I could tell them, but I'm sure I would learn a lot more from them than they would learn from me. But what I also had to realize was there's a lot of people behind me in age, younger generation people that could learn a lot from me because if I were to start going through some of the things that I've done and I've accomplished, I'm pretty sure some people would look at that and go, this guy's got a podcast he's been doing for over a year. Uh, he worked his way from uh, basically entry-level position in a company to taking over a company in less than eight years. Uh, he graduated from from college. He's, he's got a family. He's been married for over 13 years. They're, they're going to start looking at all the other things that I'm just kind of writing off saying, well, no one wants to listen to me. And they're saying, I absolutely, absolutely think I can learn something from you because you have a lot of great information uh, because you're, and you're a lot closer to me uh, in terms of being able to relate to some of the things that I'm going, going through. And I had to kind of, uh, realize myself that that's, that's the audience. That's the person that I really can talk to. That's the person whose life I can make an impact in. And so if, whether it's you or whether it's the audience that's listening to this and saying, Hey, I don't think that anyone's going to want to follow me as a leader. I don't think anyone's going to want to, uh, listen to what I have to say or whatever else. I think it's important to, to, to realize that you, you, your audience isn't the entire world. Your audience and your circle of influence is much smaller than what you think it is. And when you really get your head around what that is, align that with your passion and align that with your expertise, that's where your niche is. That's where your opportunity to be successful is. And it'll grow from there. For me, this podcast might be the only thing I do, or I could look back later on and say, it all started with when I decided to do a podcast. It all started when I decided to try to help other people uh, that were in the same situation that I was when I was 25. And now I'm in a position later on where I really think that I can influence and impact lives. And I have that platform now because I was willing to take those steps to, uh, to, to grow it. By no means am I all the way at the end of success looking back. I'm just purely on my own journey. And there's a lot that I can say to people that are behind me in their journey. And there's a lot that I can learn from people ahead of me on their journeys. But I think it's really important to recognize as well. And we've talked about this in some, some past podcasts is that my path is not your path. My level of success is not going to be your level of success. If you achieve everything that I've achieved that you could be technically a failure um, because you're not achieving what you were created to be and what you were, what you were designed to to do. And that's why we talked earlier about really funneling into that, that point of, of, of figuring out what your purpose is, because when you know what your purpose is and you find those things that bring you life, that's when that statement, I've never worked a day in my life really comes to pass because you're truly doing things that you enjoy, that you were created to do. And people can see that they can tap into that. They can read the passion I believe that you're passionate about this right now. And I believe that this is something that you you really enjoy. And if anything has brought you life in the project, I think originally you thought the goal was to get a truck. And I think you've stated that, but I think at some point you looked at the why and realized that the why was much greater and much bigger uh, than you even understood when you started doing it. Yeah, without a doubt was, without a doubt. Let me ask you a question, Evan. I was, I was waiting for this moment. I figured it was coming at some point. <laughs> I think this would be a great question to explore. We're, we're talking about discovering purpose. Um, and I feel like so many people do. You go on YouTube and you just search motivational videos and that's all people talk about because purpose is where we derive our passion from and the why. 
Uh, my dad's always told me that vision is what creates passion. And I'd be curious to know for yourself, what have you done to, to help you discover what your why, your purpose, your vision is? We can talk about you have to discover it all day, but uh, what do people do to actually discover that? Well, it's funny you should ask that. I took a trip to India and I climbed a mountain and I sat on top of the mountain for five days with no food and I just waited for a Buddhist shaman to come to me and show me the wonders of the world. And from there, that's how I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if anyone does that way, I believe you would. <laughs> no, that's, I, I say that because I think that that's one of the things that for whatever reason is, is what people think of when people are trying to figure out what their passion is or figure out what their purpose is. They, they think that they have to go to some remote place and talk and, and take a, some sort of vow of silence and, and that inner reflection will, will ultimately lead them to identify what their true purpose is. But for me, I think it's really about trying new things, trying things like this podcast. If I didn't put myself out there and, and try something like this, I wouldn't realize that I had a passion for this. I enjoy doing this a lot. I, to the extent, I, I don't think that I could have done, well, I haven't gotten to 500 interviews yet. I'm at 59 right now, but um, just even getting to this number, I think I had to have some level of passion to do it because if I didn't, the amount of time and effort it takes and the networking that it requires to to put all this stuff together, I think that uh, I would I would have uh, tuned out after about episode 18 or I would have just run out of people to talk to. I, I was kind of struggling with, uh, man, if I, if I start this, I got I to gotta find 52 people a year to talk to and that, that seemed like a pretty daunting task. Uh, but that was also before I talked to you, but I would say the, to be more specific with, with, uh, answering that question, I think that it, it was, it was a couple of things. I think first and foremost, uh, it, taking time to reflect and think, uh, about all the experiences that I had in my life up until this point and really identify what were the things that I truly loved to do? What were the things that brought me life? What were the things that I enjoyed doing? And I had to kind of look through those and say, okay, I enjoy being creative. I enjoy working with people. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy, I, I enjoy sales. I know I enjoy sales. I love that rush that you get when you've accomplished a big sale. Like I got goosebumps right now talking about it. Like I knew that I was good at those things. And I knew that I enjoyed those things. And so for me, I was very fortunate that my career path actually aligned indirectly with things that I was passionate about. And so I would say that I kind of hit the uh, career jackpot, if you will, at the time, because if you look at what I pursued in college for my degree and what I, what I pursued for my education, uh, it's actually completely counterintuitive to what my personality is and what my passions are. And so I was very fortunate that as soon as I graduated from college, I found out that uh, what I wanted, what I thought I wanted to do was something that I definitely didn't want to do. And I was able to find out that very early as opposed to getting 10 years into a career uh, only to turn back and go, man, I've been miserable for these last, last 10 years. Um, I would say another thing that's really important in terms of uh, identifying what your passion is and, in, and identifying the things uh, that really give you life is not just reflecting back on the things that you've done, but being willing to try new things. Um, I don't know that I'm uh, passionate or love doing something until I've done it. And so I think you have to have that willingness to say yes. You need to have that willingness to step outside of your comfort zone and understand that really your comfort zone is only comfortable because you've done it before and you're continuing to do it, but you'll never learn new things. You'll never grow as an individual. If you stay there, you have to always be adjusting and, and get comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable because that's, what's really going to help you find out, you know what? I definitely don't like, um, I definitely don't like coding computers because I've done that. And yeah, it's kind of fun when you get something to work, but all the amount of time and effort that goes into doing it, I, I couldn't get past that. Um, but for me, getting up and speaking in front of people and sharing my heart and helping other people, those are things that I really enjoy doing to the extent now where uh, I've talked probably more in this podcast uh, just with you about things that I enjoy doing than I probably did 
uh, for the first 20 years of my life. I just, I wouldn't talk about that stuff and I wasn't comfortable talking about that stuff. Mm. And it had, it, 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 it came down to a guy named Ted Robertson. I was sitting at a table with him and a couple other people and I was just listening. I was just taking in everything that they were talking about. Uh, and they, Ted kind of looked at me and he asked me a question directly and I answered it and I answered it um, in such a way that he kind of said, you know what? I, I like you. <laughs> he goes, you, you don't say much, but when you do, you have a lot to say. Mm -hmm. And I, I, that really struck me because, uh, as I kind of stewed on that a little bit, I was like, you know what? I do have something to say and I need to be more open to talking about it and opening my mouth. I was always the person that waited to be called on to speak as opposed to the person that was willing, uh, to put stuff out there. And so that kind of started that path for me of getting to a point where I was comfortable getting in front of people and sharing my expertise and sharing the information that I learned. And what I realized was I did have a lot to say and it was actually pretty good. And from that, that's kind of what has grown in to so many other things. So uh, I think that's a multifaceted answer to your question, but I believe that uh, hopefully that, uh, that that that's what you were looking for no without a doubt for myself went through a lot of the same perhaps things that you did um between you know my interview project didn't want to talk i really just wanted to listen and um and i think that's really important well, what i find sometimes what was interesting for me i i, I listened so much to people throughout my interview project which I, which I think is essential what you can learn from other people. What I found interesting was when I started writing my book and I had to, I started trying to share something on my heart um, and what I learned through my journey that I discovered more, I probably learned more through that process than I did uh, probably the previous year and a half. Uh, so the, the project was split in two ways. The first year and a half was the 500 interviews. The second year approximately was writing the book. And I think I discovered more through writing the book than, than even the interviews because it was through that process I was, I was teaching. I was sharing with others. And I've come to find that often that's, that's the case. When, when you start to to use what you've learned or what you have for others, purpose has a way of, of revealing itself or you, it's through that process perhaps that, that you start to really discover um, what purpose can be. And I also started to realize passion for a lot of, as a, as a high school graduate, everyone's wanting to know what are you going to do when you, when, uh, you graduate or now that I have graduated, what are you doing now that you have graduated? Or, um, are you going to college and or are you doing this? And you're supposed to have the rest of your life planned out. It feels like, you know, just graduating high school, I'm supposed to have everything figured out. But what I've come to find is that almost always passion is a journey. It's a journey of discovery that you live your whole life. I don't you ever figure everything out. Um, Personally, I think if you did figure everything out, it'd be awfully boring because what would there be left to, to live for? What we live for and the passion and the things that make us come alive, I think, I think those things are a journey. It's not something that you finally get somewhere and that's where you find it. I think, I think you, you find life. You, you come alive on the journey searching for it and then the journey, living it out and discovering more. It's always a journey. People say life's a journey. I think there's merit to that. I think that I've seen, I think I've seen that on a motivational poster somewhere, <laughs> but My. it's so, it's, it's so true. And I think the, the other important thing to realize is that all of the different things in life that you're doing are preparing you for the next phase of life. Uh, I think that the, the, the interviews that you have have prepared you to write a book. And, and once you've written the book and once you've released the book, that's preparing you for the next phase of life. Um, yep. I would always have the, the concern that 
you know, if whatever I was doing, if I failed at it, the whole thing fell apart and I lost my, lost the business, lost the job, lost the income, all that stuff, I'd have to start over again. And what I had to realize was that I was never, ever starting over again. I was, yeah. only, I was still going to have all the experience that I had before. I was going to have all the knowledge that I had before. I was going to have all the relationships that I had before. I had all of those other things that I had before. The only thing that I didn't have was the original business concept or, or idea or job that I had. And yeah. I think that once I, once I realized that, I was like, you know what? I have a really great foundation to start a new career on if that happens. And it took a lot of that fear away from failure. I wanted to be successful. And I think everyone wants to be successful, but I think in success, there's success is highlighted by failure. Failure is what makes that success that much more savory. It's because uh, the bitterness brings out the sweet. It's the shadows that make uh, the picture of the sun that much more vibrant because it's the contrast of the dark and the light. And I think you need to have both that in your life. And I think it's ridiculous for someone to think that they can get through life without experiencing some level of failure um, in their entire journey. It's part of it. I think that if you can embrace that and know that, that when those opportunities come, a lot of times when you have failure, it's a chance to realign, readjust, and relaunch. And when you do that, a lot of times you look back to those times of failure and realize that those failures help propel you, get you on outside of your comfort zone and push you into discomfort. And that discomfort is what actually launches you into the next phase of your life. So when you say life's a journey, I 100% agree. And I think it's really important to remember in that journey that there's good parts of journeys, there's bad parts of journeys, but ultimately the entire work put together is what really gives you the full knowledge, the full understanding of your expertise that you can share with other people. You know, something you said triggered a memory of mine. Um, are you familiar with the, with the clothing brands, He Greater Than I? He Greater Than I. They're a, they're a lifestyle brand based out of Oahu. Yeah, I think um, I've seen them before. Yeah, might see a lot of stickers and stuff on backs of cars and stuff. Anyway, they're great. Um, I talked with the founder of that brand and um, had talked to him about what starting up his brand had looked like. And for him, he'd come out of working in a coffee shop with this idea for a brand and a few friends, and they started putting it together. And they're, they're a, you, you get those brands that are like Hurley and Quicksilver and O'Neill. They're like uh, adrenaline junkie, extreme sports type, awesome surf brands and stuff like that. And that's what he greater than I was, except it was, had a Christian method or a message to it. He greater than I. And so for them, starting up that company had been extremely difficult because the, the surf, um, world has such a different taste uh, for for message or at least the the retail stores and do that will carry products weren't feeling their message at all and mm -hmm. so he was faced with a choice do I do I play it safe and just play it small and keep you know showing up in Christian bookstores good grief who who'd want to buy an awesome shirt in there uh, or do we set out on our own and just create our own stores? Instead the Green family could be listening, by the way. Oh, well, say that again? <laughs> I said the Green family could be listening, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> very true. For a lifestyle brand, it was interesting, though, because that was his take on it. He's saying, I don't want to only exist inside these conditions. I want to grow into the surf world I grew up part of. And he, uh, that, was, that was his desire. And so – what they did is they set out on their own and took that risk of instead of just trying to end up in retail stores, they're like, we're just going to make our own. And so they, they have a number of like three stores now and it's taken off. And what I, I learned about just from Kamena Plummer was his name. It's, I think his first name is Hawaiian, Kamena or however you pronounce it. And what he talked to me about what I learned is that when you have a dream, so often we're tempted to sacrifice part of our desire in exchange for an easier ride. We're tempted to sacrifice our, our, our passion and desire for a little bit less challenge. 
And what you were talking about is dead right, though, because when you, when you take away the challenge, the challenge is what makes the story worth telling in the end. Mm-hmm. It's what adds, what makes, what gives the story meaning. It's what makes it inspiring to other people. It's what makes it worth even, it makes it an adventure instead of just a, a little you know, pony ride is, is the challenge. And I find that when you take away part of the desire in exchange for removing part of the challenge, you take away both parts of what it may, takes to make the dream worth chasing. As the challenge really, like you said it, that makes caution, crossing the finish line in, in the end so sweet is that you have the challenge. And I think it's critical, without a doubt. I love that quote. Don't sacrifice your gene, your dream for an easier ride. I mean, we uh, we talked to Kevin Stitt in a previous podcast, and I had the honor of talking to him again today. And he was he was actually talking a little bit about that. He talked about the difference between millionaires and billionaires is that millionaires are all the people that sold out at some point. Billionaires are the ones that stay true to their dream. They don't give up on their product and, and let other people in. They, they really stayed focused all the way through to the very end. And that's what allowed them to get to the point because there's plenty of other times that those billionaires could have had someone buy their, their company when they were millionaires and they, mm-hmm. they would have been good and they would have just kept continued on. He said, but the true billionaires, those, those ones that made it to that level never sold out on their dream. They never uh, took that easier path for the easier ride. And exactly. I think that, that that ties perfectly in, in, into what you're talking about. Holden, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time to be on this this podcast with us to share with our audience. We're, we're getting a little long on time. So I want to give you the final word. I want to give you the opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Um, what is your message to young business leaders, the guys that are probably in the similar boat as you, uh, as you're kind of going through through life and trying to figure out what the next phase is for you? But that's the audience. The audience is essentially you. What, what are some things that you've learned that you'd want to share with somebody like you uh, at, at this phase of life? Everyone is chasing after. They, they want to know what am I supposed to do the rest of my life? They want to know what is that would make us feel secure and safe, right? If, mm-hmm. if, we, knew, if we knew what I was going to do the rest of my life, then I'd feel like I had it all figured out and I'd feel secure in that. I've got to plan that's has everything outlined here i find that a lot of uh, the other set maybe the second most sought after question is how am i going to do that i know what i want to do how am i going to do that and if i knew how i was going to do it and what i was going to do then i'd feel safe and secure and maybe everything be easy maybe those are our greatest instinctual desires is what's comfortable what's safe and what's easy but when you'll ask the question, why? And, you, and if you'll ask that question and make it the most important question, the other two, I find the what and the how take care of themselves. But here's what also happens. When, when you will seek after and, and discover why, your own why, or why is this worth it, Life doesn't become anymore about what's going to make me most comfortable and feel the safest. As Dave Ramsey explained to me, those, those are often illusions. You can chase safety, and all you're going to do is make yourself more scared. You can chase what's easy, and all you're going to do is make yourself weaker. You'll choose your why, and you'll, you'll know that, and you'll live by why. And let it be a journey. That is where you'll find what it means to truly live, I believe. And maybe there's a, there's a difference between just breathing and a difference between truly living. And I think knowing the why is the difference. Well, Holden, thank you for taking the time and, and sharing your heart. Real quick, how do people find out about your book? How do they find out more about you? What are the best ways to connect with you? My book hopefully will be released within, I'm aiming to do that within the next two months, real um, close to that, finishing up a few technical details on that. Um, To stay posted on that, you can check out my website, uh, which is holdenhill.com on social media. I'm on YouTube. You can find me just by searching my name, 
Holden Hill. I hope uh, this has been at least helpful for you, Evan, um, and meaningful to. It's been awesome talking to you. I'll say that. <laughs> well, the honor is all mine. And real quick, uh, the name of the book I believe is "Bring the Fire." That is, is right. That is yeah, right. So, so stay tuned for that. Like I said, let me know whenever uh, the book comes out. Uh, and I'll post a link in the show notes so that as people listen to this over time, they can find the book and, and connect with you. Holden, thank you for uh, sharing your heart and sharing your story and, and, and being willing to, to listen to your father and go outside of your comfort zone uh, and interview all these different people. I'm excited to see where you go uh, from here because I think it's important to know that everything that you've done up until this point has prepared you for something and I can't wait to see what that next phase is for you. So Holden, thank you and listeners will catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and if you'd like to learn more about the young businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma.com at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.